In January of 2020, Brittany Washington packed up her life, moved out of her New York City apartment, and left on a trip around the world. My goal was to learn how to sail a boat. But not only just sail, I want to learn how to sail by celestial navigation. And I found this tiny little sailing school in Osaka, Japan. And I was like, well, if I'm going to go, there's a few places that I would stop along the way. And so I was like, I'm going to go to Thailand for a month and go to a Thai fighting school. I wanted to hike a mountain, so I ended up in Malaysia and hiked Mount Kinabalu. Let me go to Bali and go get my open water scuba diving certification. Each wild idea led to another and another. And by the end, Brittany was planning to travel to 10 countries over the course of six months. In each place, she would study with a new teacher or guide, absorbing all the information she could from her adventures. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. Brittany Washington is an explorer and filmmaker with a background in journalism. Before her trip, she was a correspondent in New York City, working at places like Open Society Foundations and HuffPost. She wrote articles and made videos about incarceration, homelessness, poverty, and the foster care system. But she hit a wall, and in 2019, she was ready for a change. Brittany reached out to experts and teachers in 10 countries. She bought plane tickets, and she took off. But two months in, when the world turned on its head in March of 2020, Brittany had to embrace a change of plans. This grand adventure led her to create a web series called Miscommunication. I'm Brittany. Welcome to Miscommunication. What is Miscommunication? That's me. Brittany Washington, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Thanks for having me, Shelby. I'm so excited to be here. This is my very first time being on this side of the microphone. So in 2020, you went on this trip. Six months, 10 countries, and you made a film series about it. Yeah. Well, my background is in video journalism, but by the time I was ready to go on this trip, um, the video part was just something that I brought with me. It wasn't the goal to make a series. In fact, I needed other reasons to kind of re-fall in love with filmmaking and storytelling. At that point, I was like, I want to do anything other than the thing I do for work. But just in case, I'll bring a video camera with me. The goal was just to learn something new in every country. I started off in Egypt to spend time with Dr. Hawass, which is Egypt's most famous archaeologist. And then in Mumbai, which was the next destination, I went and did some volunteering. And then I went to Thailand and started learning Muay Thai. And so it didn't really matter what I learned. I just wanted to learn something new to just kind of exercise different parts of my brain and my spirit and as I was going along, I realized like, oh, I kind of want to tell some of these stories of what I'm doing, but for no other reason than just to do it because it's natural for me to want to pick up a camera. And yeah, it was really fun. It kind of invigorated the spirit of storytelling for me again. Okay, so let's go back. You were a storyteller before. So you studied journalism in college and started working. No, no. okay. So tell me how you got into storytelling. So I went to UT Austin and I have a degree in filmmaking and directing and editing, but it didn't really teach me about the business of, of storytelling or filmmaking. And I went to L.A. first. I quickly realized I didn't want to be in Hollywood. And so I found a nonprofit production company to work at where I was doing storytelling on behalf of the criminal justice system. 
And so I worked there for a couple of years at this nonprofit production company and then ended up in New York working for a larger nonprofit that did very similar work, but on a global scale. And then after that, I, I realized I wanted to try my hand at news. And so I ended up at Huffington Post for a year. And by the time I had done that, I had been just working forever. I was just burnt out. And I just was like, I'm, my spirit is ready for a break by the end of 2019. And so I saved up some money and I decided to go on this trip and romanticize the shit out of my life. <laughs> and it was one of the scariest moments in my life, but it was it was time. I needed it. Just knowing that you feel like you need to make a change, like how did you know? Like how did you know and then get the courage to go do that? Well, I think the psychology part of it, I really do think it's kind of a personality trait. It's the same reason why right after college, I picked up and just left for LA or then I picked up and left for New York. I've always leaned into the devil I don't know than stick with the devil I do. I would rather roll the dice and move towards the unknown than to stick with what I know, especially if I know that I'm unhappy. I've always just kind of leapt without looking, which some would call it reckless or whatever. For me, it was like, I'm going to bet on myself every single time. And that's required me to learn how to be adaptable, learn how to hustle, you know? And that same part of me that got from one version of my life to the next version was the same thing that told me to pick up and leave. I was like, okay, New York is not working out for me right now. I'm unhappy. So I need to go figure that out. And I'm not going to be able to do that here in this environment. It's time for me to leave. And for, the, for me, what leaving looks like, some people, it might be going back home or just moving to another state. I knew I wanted to go and just be a stranger in the world somewhere. Once Brittany made the decision to leave New York, it was time to start preparing. For a year before she left, she cut way back on spending in order to save money for her travels. She also created a spreadsheet with various flight paths, weather patterns, and information about guides and teachers she'd researched. There are a lot of decisions and logistics involved in a trip like this, but Brittany's go-with-the-flow attitude and her fearlessness meant she wasn't afraid to pursue some pretty wild ideas. You literally picked these wild countries to go visit. Well, that was logistical. <laughs> yeah, so so tell me, like, how did you, did you just do that because it, it worked? It fit on a map? It was circular? Or, like, how did you pick your itinerary? My goal was to learn how to sail a boat. The wild idea in 2019 was, I want to go learn a specific new skill. I want to learn how to sail. But not only just sail, I want to learn how to sail by celestial navigation. I want to understand, like, before GPS, how would you navigate the oceans? And I think it was a lot of reasons. One, like, the ocean is probably the scariest part of the planet. It's the largest part of the planet. So for me, I'm like a challenge, you know? But also, I think even as a Black woman, I'm like, okay, we got here in America by the seas or whatnot. Let me reclaim it for myself by learning how to navigate the ocean. And so... I searched all around the globe and I looked up the American Sailing Association's, you know, different programs. And I found this tiny little sailing school in Osaka, Japan. It's called Little Bill Sailing School. And it's this like 60-year-old man who lives there with his wife. And we started emailing back and forth and he was really funny. And so the plan was to go there and learn how to sail for two weeks. And I was like, well, if I'm going to go... 
there's a few places that I would stop along the way. And that's when I used Skyscanner. I was like, okay, what's the cheapest flight from New York making my way there? And the cheapest flight was like 75 bucks from here to Egypt. And I'm like, well, that seems smart. <laughs> so I bought a ticket from New York to Egypt. And then from Egypt, I was like, let me find out what was the cheapest ticket from Egypt to anywhere else. And the next cheap ticket, which was like 80 bucks, was to Mumbai. And I did it like that. I'll just kind of continue making my way east. And I'm like, my very first trip by myself was Thailand. And so Thailand will forever have a place in my heart. And one of the things that I saw while I was there was a live Muay Thai fight, like an actual fight. And I was like, I want to try that shit one day. And so I had a whole month in between these small trips between when I was going to get to Osaka, Japan. And so I was like, I'm going to go to Thailand for a month and stay in Chiang Mai and go to a Thai fighting school. And it's like 400 bucks for the month. You get to live there and you train Muay Thai with these folks who were like training to be professionals. So I did that and I wanted to hike a mountain. So I ended up in Malaysia and went to and hiked Mount Kinabalu. And the country number five on the list was Bali, Indonesia. And I was like, well, I have a week in between when I actually leave Mount Kinabalu till I get to Japan. Let me go to Bali and go get my open water scuba diving certification. <laughs> And I got to Bali in March 2020, and the entire rest of the trip changed. Okay, before we get to when the rest of the trip changed, I mean, you you did what, like, I've got goosebumps. Like, that's, this is a wild idea. And one wild idea led to another wild idea, which led to another wild idea. Like, you're my dream guest, Brittany, so thank you for coming <laughs> on this show. What? You've had people who've actually climbed Mount Everest, all right? I'm just a, a disillusioned New Yorker who decided to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and I, I did. That's it. There's nothing special about that. There's plenty it of people is special. There's plenty of people who don't leave New York and they're disillusioned and they want to get the fuck out and they don't. So there's a big difference, okay? <laughs> What sticks out in those, you know, before you get to Bali, you know, all these experiences are so rich and so different from New York. Like what, at what, what are you learning at this point? Like, what do you know? Oh man. I mean, all of them, were, you know, they were all so different that they all taught me different things. Being in Egypt and talking to this archaeologist just taught me that you can learn from anyone. I think I learned in that situation because I really wanted to talk to him. Just asking, just saying, hey, I'm a random ass traveler going to Egypt. I love what you do. I want to learn more about archaeology. Will you speak with me? And they're just saying yes. People, everyone has information to share. And sometimes just asking can give you a lot of opportunities. Thailand, specifically Thailand, because I was there for so long, that was when I really started to transform my relationship to my body because the Muay Thai schedule was rigorous. <laughs> I just had no idea how much my body could handle physically until I tried it. Not only that, there was some stuff I needed to process, you know what I mean? Learning how to have a healthy relationship with anger and physical force and learning how to emotionally regulate something that, especially as women, we're taught not to feel at all. So Muay Thai taught me healthy relationship to anger. And I still practice Muay Thai to this day because of that. Okay, so after Thailand, you go to where? I go to Malaysia. So Malaysia, I was determined to hike Mount Kinubalu in Borneo, and it's about 14,000 feet. And before then, I'd only hiked like 
in the Catskills or Jersey, you know, with my friends who live upstate. So it was a it was a challenge, but it was it was amazing. It was the simplicity of it, just one step at a time, is absolutely beautiful. I remember when I first started hiking Mount Kinubalu. There was a part of me that was so determined to do it well. I think it was the part of me that I was still shedding in New York, like that perfectionism, like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it great. When I first started, I was out of breath in like 10 minutes. I was like dying. And he's like, bitch, we have two days, get it together. And he told me, he's like, listen, when you're hiking this mountain, look for the smallest increment of a step next. Don't go for the big steps so that you can feel like you're moving faster. Actually, you want to, it's like a stroll. And my guide was walking with his hands in his pocket. He was carrying his big ass pack. And you you would think he was just walking down Brooklyn Bridge because he was taking the smallest steps possible. And that controlled my breathing once I did it. And from there I could move. But it was a it was a good four hours before I realized that. And then once I realized that, just these small steps which I love a good metaphor or quote from the next person, but I'm also a very literal person. And it was literally just take small steps up this mountain. And it became this very literal process of shedding things. So I started to think, all you have, all you can do is think, right? So for every step, I was like, let go of this, let go of that, let go of this, let go of that. That is okay. Time to let it go. And it became this just super cathartic process for me, which is to breathe, step, and let it go. Breathe, step, and let it go. All of the different places had a different lesson that I learned, but hiking that mountain was the one where I I had to sit with the fact that that was what I was there to do, which is to let some shit go, that I left New York to do it. And so it became this very literal, this happened, let it go. That person hurt you, let it go. That job failed, let it go. Just, yes, you had this upbringing, let it go. Yes, you've gotten to this point, let it go. And I will forever adore that experience because of it I think you did what I tell a lot of people to do but you did it to like you do it to another level Brittany it's impressive like you figured out who can teach you like rather than I went and sought teachers yeah yes in every place I went and sought teachers okay so you're in Malaysia you climb this insane mountain 1400 feet you learn this incredible lesson step breathe let it go yeah beautiful where do you go next after that was, I had a couple of days between Bali and Malaysia. So finishing hiking the mountain. So I went to Singapore and I literally went to Singapore for like 48 hours, but I was like, I'm so close. And then after that, I came back to Malaysia to get on a flight to go to Bali. When we come back, Brittany talks about how her whole trip changed when she got to Bali. Plus she tells us more about her web series, Miss Communication, and her recent collaboration with REI. Brittany Washington's trip around the world started with the goal of getting to Osaka, Japan to study sailing. She wasn't in a rush to get there. Instead, she took the scenic route and she hopped around from North Africa to Southeast Asia on the cheapest plane tickets she could find. She was only supposed to be in Bali for six days before continuing on to Japan. Tell me about Bali. Well, I get there, and I'm only supposed to be there for about six days. But two days in, the shit hit the fan. I just literally woke up, and they're like, all the borders are closing. 
everyone needs to leave. And you knew that things were happening around, but you didn't realize like everything was just gonna kind of shut down overnight. So I was like, well, let me wait it out, see if I can finally get to Japan. I'm so close, it's literally the next country. And one week turned into three weeks, turned into three months. And by six months in, I'm just kind of like waiting. You know, I'm doing the same thing everybody else does. No one else is around. 85% of the tourists left. So immediately I start finding teachers. I found a painting teacher. I found a Muay Thai teacher. Immediately once I realized, like, I have no idea when I'm going to leave, built-in structure so that I had some sort of semblance of normalcy. And one day I wake up and I'm like, oh, shit, I've built a whole life here. <laughs> you know? Not only that, it's a life that's very different than I'm used to, and I think the average American is used to, which is um, it's not overly stimulated. And so I got this incredible opportunity to figure out what does my own nervous system feels like at a state of rest? What do I feel like outside of external influences? I know that sounds like a very wild or kind of a woo idea, but it's absolutely true. I think that's why people seek vacations, you know what I mean? But what ends up happening is you have such a short amount of time that you overstimulate by trying to do a lot as opposed to resting. And then you come back more tired. Even though you, it's exciting, you're not resting. And I had the opportunity to learn what rest feels like. Not just physical rest, but like mental rest and spiritual rest and nervous system rest. And then I realized after six months, I'm like, wow. I woke up and realized I had all of this space and time. I had space in my brain to learn more things that are new. And I had time to make choices that were best for me. And so I decided to document some of the things that I was learning there. I still have my gear that's been collecting dust in these villas closet that I've been renting month to month. Let me go learn some more skills. And so I did. I learned Qigong and I tried archery and surfing. And I really wanted to just show other people like, listen, I know that for one, there's not a lot of people who look like me who are doing this kind of shit. You know what I mean? Two, there's an opportunity because there's such a diverse group of people who ended up being there. So to learn Qigong from a black guy who's living in Bali for the last 15 years, I'm like, that's really incredible. You know what I mean? To learn to surf by a Balinese kid who's been doing it and grew up on these waves, that's such a a beautiful privilege. And I also did it for my community back home who I knew were going through a rough time. And I had so many people in my DMs on Instagram, you know, being like, please continue sharing what you're doing because it's nice to see somebody I love and I care about. And I think it was easy for me to say, oh, I'm not going to share because I don't want to feel like I'm boasting. But you forget how many people can feel inspired and encouraged by hearing your story. I love cities. I spent most of my life in cities, surrounded by buses, buildings, and trains. And it was great. But growing up, I just didn't have many opportunities to get close to nature. Nature was something I saw on television, watching Discovery Channel, or flipping through the pages of National Geographic. My time here in Bali has completely changed that for me. It's changed me. I've allowed myself to grow as an... Tell me about this YouTube series you create while you're in Bali. You called it Miscommunication. Yeah. Why the, why the name and what's it about? Well, one, I like I like the name because, you know, it's, it's spelled miscommunication as if it's my name. And I think that that's kind of been the overarching identity that I've had up until that point, which is 
I love communication. I think about how we communicate with ourselves, each other. I was working on shedding a lot of things that I thought aided in me feeling the drive to communicate and also was the reason why I was miscommunicating. So the pun is in there intentionally, right? The name was already a part of the things that I'd worked on before the series itself, but I just decided to use it because the videos that I put out, which are just these small adventures, but at the same time, you could see that I'm trying to communicate something to you, but you could also misunderstand what I'm trying to say. And so I thought miscommunication for the videos was, was, was good. My time here in Bali has completely changed that for me. It's changed me. I've allowed myself to grow as an explorer and to claim that for myself. And our planet's oceans are definitely on my list of places to explore. I want to know more about our oceans and to discover for myself just a tiny part of that other 70% of this planet. And to do that, the first step is to become scuba certified. Let's go. I think what's so cool is like, you, you know, I watched these this video series and I was like, this is really cool. This is a woman who just goes for it and tries all these new things. What, what was the response? Well, I just released it on my Instagram. I mean, I, I I put it up on my little YouTube channel. I think, you know, the first couple of episodes I tried to do like the Google ads thing, but I'm like, I'm not spending money on this. Like, <laughs> I'm just not. And so I put it up on on YouTube. I had literally released it the day after I got back from Bali. And so by the time I released it, I had already moved on to another part of my life. I wasn't really concerned with how well it did in terms of views. You know what I mean? I posted it up on my Instagram and I was really proud for folks to see it. And then when it was done, I was like, all right. At that point, I'd already applied to grad school. So my brain was somewhere else. And so the reception itself wasn't something that I was worried about because I didn't do it for them. I did it for me. Can you just talk to me about your why and how it evolved? I want to continue to be a student. And I think I just needed to reorient my life to being a student again. And I think that's the reason why I left, you know. You might hate me for saying this, but you have a much cooler eat, pray, love story out there inside you. You know, it's so funny. I do not mind the comparison, you know, because I think that her journey was popular for a reason. And I shit you not, I did pray for it before I went. I was like, I need a life-changing experience. And the universe provided. And I feel like it is the equivalent of winning the lottery. I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, you said the universe provided and the universe provided, but Brittany, I just listened to you. You went out and you got it and you made stuff happen. And I think well, I asked, you have to ask, you, you asked, have to make the motion, booked the ticket, you did the footwork. And I think that there's like a lot of misunderstanding that you pray and you ask the universe to provide and it provides, but it's like you pray and you, well, the universe can't provide without action. You know, I think it's really cool what you did. Well, thank you. Brittany ended up staying in Bali for over a year. She made seven episodes of miscommunication while she was there, and you have to watch the series. It's incredible following Brittany as she learns new skills like scuba diving and archery. Then in April of 2021, Brittany decided to roll the dice again. It was time to pursue a new adventure back in New York.
You come back to New York and you're now studying earth sciences, right? Yeah. Before we get into that, though, I know you're also connected with REI and did a little social media series with them. So tell me about that. Yeah. You know, I'm a runner. Running content was something that they wanted to try. And I I told them, I was like, well, right now my goal is to try to run outside through the winter. And I'm a Texan. I don't feel that great about the cold weather, but I do have a goal to eventually get to Everest. So I was like, I need to start getting used to the cold weather. And I also understood that, okay, as somebody who just got off the adventure of a lifetime, now I'm in grad school in the middle of COVID where I'm watching everything through Zoom. That's a hard contrast of from being super mobile to a pretty sedentary life. And so I had to like built in adventure into my life here. And so knowing that I wanted to run and now I have a cold climate, I'm like, well, that sounds like a hell of an adventure to me. And it's right outside. So um, we just decided to build a little social campaign of, of me telling one minute stories about my experience learning to run in the winter uh, for the first time. The reason why it's hard for people to stay consistent is once they identify with it, then it's a goal that they have to keep up with. And if they stop, that immediately makes them feel like a failure. I don't identify as a runner. I run sometimes, you know, like <laughs> that's enough for me, you know, that removes the pressure. And so I think that's the overall story of the the videos, which is that when I first started running, even before I left for Bali, it was always tied to a goal. And once I removed that and associated with other things, like, oh, I'm not a runner. I'm somebody who's running to go hang out in my community because I've been sitting in front of a computer all day. Or I'm somebody who's running because now I'm studying infrastructure and I want to peruse while running what the infrastructure looks like in my community. Let me go look around. And running is a great way to get there. It's free. I'm not dealing with Ubers. I don't have to get on the train. We're still in a COVID situation. Like This is a way that I can move through my life as my life is right now. For me, running is mental health. Like, I just feel good when I run. It feels good. It's one way to move my body. Is that, does it do anything like that for you? Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of ties all the lessons that I've learned. You know, I've had experiences learning how to breathe. I've had experiences learning how to meditate. So now I try to incorporate all of them. So for me, running is connecting my brain to my body, to my breath a solid rhythm, a solid pace. It's just kind of connecting my whole sack of atoms together, you know, and getting it working together, you know? Yeah, I love that you just uh, were moving your sack of atoms forward. I think that was spoken like a true scientist. Just moving my sack of atoms forward, one step at a time. Okay, so let's talk about grad school. You came back to the U.S., to New York, and then you decided to go back to school? Yeah, I, I didn't know what to do next. But then when I thought back of all the times where I was doing these experiences and filming them, the bigger story was my relationship to nature had changed. You know, that reboot wasn't just because I was on an island. It was because I was steeped in nature, because I had a closer relationship with plants and animals and the rhythm of the seasons there. That's the real story, you know. And everyone, when I got back, they were like, are you going to do a miscommunication season two? And I said to myself, if I was ever going to do it, it wouldn't be about me learning a skill. It would be about learning about the planet. And if I were to do that, for me, when I, I looked in my head and I thought about it, all the times when I had empty space to think or to imagine in Bali, it was, well, why do leaves turn green? And what is their relationship to water? And you know, what is going on with this ecosystem? And I don't even have the language to formulate the questions that I'm trying to ask about this environment that I'm in. And if I were to do the series, it wouldn't have been enough to just interview a scientist. Because I realized I didn't even have enough language to understand a lot of the answer. And when I was like, 
I got to go learn it. I got to go learn this shit myself. I got to go to school. Um, But not only that, I think that with everything that's changing in the world, you know, people are starting to really find the causes that they believe in and, and integrating them into their life. And for me, the one that as a journalist, as a human, as a woman who's in their mid-30s who understands certain things about my life, one, I don't want children, right? So I know this about myself. And because I know this about myself, I have a ton of time moving forward. How do I want to live my life? What do I want to do with it? And so there's a certain level of activism for me to decide to go back to school and decide to become a scientist, decide to take the time the next three years or five years to become the scientist and not just you know, talk about it and advocate for it, but become the scientist and contribute to helping find the problems around climate change around what's going on with our planet, around our relationship to water. And so for me, there's a, there was a level of, you know, I wouldn't say sacrifice, but a, a contribution to my life, which is, you know, I had a beautiful experience that transformed my relationship and the way I see the world and the way I see the planet. I want to spend this next, not just chapter, but this next book of my life studying the planet and to contribute in the way I can. Because knowing that I have the drive to do it, I I couldn't see any reason why I wouldn't try. There's so much we can learn about the planet and ourselves if we're willing to take a leap of faith every now and then. Brittany shows us that sometimes the devil you don't know is hopping on a plane to a far-off destination. And sometimes it's making a commitment to go back to school, to self-improvement, and to making the world a better place. Brittany Washington, thank you so much for coming on the show. Your fearlessness and your constant hunger for knowledge is so inspiring. I can't wait to hear about what adventures you're up to next, and I wish you all the best in your studies. You can watch Miscommunication and check out Brittany's other work on her website, Brittany-Washington.com. That's Brittany spelled B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. You can also follow her on Instagram at Brittany underscore underscore Washington or on TikTok at miscommunication. That's M-S dot communication. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Annie Fassler and Sylvia Thomas of Puddle Creative, and our senior producer is Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow this show rate it and review it wherever you're listening. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas.